Thank you, Derek, and thank you, uh, band, for setting the stage this morning and getting us ready to, to hear what God has to say. You know, it's a, it's a huge honor to get a call from your pastor at 6 in the morning. And he says, I trust you. He said, I want you to fill in for me on June the 2nd for both services. And <clears throat> when he said he trusted me, it just put like a big weight on my shoulders because I know what this place means. I know what this area right here means. <clears throat> but sometimes, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've got to put your will to the side and you got to take up God's will you got to know what he wants you to do for, for your life Tate prayed for me earlier for those of you who know me way out of my comfort zone but if it can bring God glory I'll do it so y'all just pray with me for a little bit I've got a lot of content um, just pray that I get through everything and I just want you to not hear my voice I don't want you to remember me I want you to remember what God says <clears throat> and when I started thinking about what I was wanting to do I guess it's just the human nature I started looking at YouTube videos of like my favorite pastors <clears throat> Stephen Furtick and um, a couple other guys and I started thinking, well, I want to do that. Oh, that was good. I want to do that. So I kept on listening, kept on listening. I wasn't getting nothing. And finally, it's just like a light switch went off. And God said, I gave that message to them. I didn't give it to you. Go get your own message. So what I'm going to do is, <clears throat> I'm not a pastor by no means. I don't have any credentials. But what I am is I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and I'm a son of God. Yeah. So what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you my testimony and then I'm going to link some scriptures that help me along the way. So I hope that this right here will help you some way. If you take out your notes, you'll notice it's just a blank sheet of paper. Don't set that aside. Keep it with you the whole time for me. Because there's a lot of scriptures in here that have saved my life, literally. So I want you to write these down. You go back home. You read these scriptures. You dig into a study Bible, whatever. You find out what that means in your life and what you're going through. <clears throat> because I really think if it can help me, God's impressed it on my heart to do this. So I'm hoping that somebody in here can get this. So anyway, just keep those... Keep those handy. And I've got some scriptures going to be on the screen. So more or less who I am. For y'all that don't know, I'm Sam Cash. Uh, I've been here for probably eight years. I've got a beautiful wife, Candy, two girls, Grace and Charlie. Um, I'm involved in a lot of men's ministries and um, small groups and stuff. But why am I here? <clears throat> if you'd asked me that last, yesterday, I would have told you one thing, but... I woke up this morning, and bear with me. When I woke up this morning, 
on the area where I always keep my keys and everything, there's a note. And obviously you can tell it's all my girls. She begins the note with it says, Why did they pick you to speak? It's not because you're a great dad. It's because you love Christ and you know what to do for him. I got that out of the way. I'm like my buddy Jeff Beard and big old guy. He always starts his messages of crying like a little baby, so I thought I would do it too, I guess. Speaking to him, <clears throat> Jeff texted me yesterday. He's, you know, he's went off to Fort Benning. He teaches a lot of Bible studies. But today, for the first time, they've actually let him, or they've asked him to preach in a service. It's the first time. So keep him in your prayers, too. All right, let me get together. All right, so when I decided to speak, again, <clears throat> I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I finally got in line with God. But then as soon as I let God take over, fear just ambushed me. The enemy was in my ear saying, you're not enough. You're not qualified. Who are you? Look at your past. Fear will make you doubt yourself tremendously. Fear will make you settle for less than what God has called you to do. Fear will make you fall short of all the promises that God has already promised you. If you let fear intercede in your life and you don't stop it, kind of like Mike said last week, if you don't take those thoughts captive, if you don't put a, just a stop to it right then, it gives the enemy just full range of your mind. So in Deuteronomy 31.8, he says, He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So if you read that, that's why I want you to write it down and go home and really study. But so if you just read that, you've heard it millions of times. I want you to do something. I want you to just close your eyes and picture God looking down and speaking that word over you. It puts it in a whole different perspective. Because these are God's words. They're not just something that somebody put on paper for us to to look at is true and I believe the cover to cover of this it's not my duty to decide what I want to believe and what I don't want to believe it's just it's God's word so I've made a decision in my life that I'm just going to believe it I'm going to take it to prayer if I don't understand something he'll show it to me so he's always on your side. He's always promised to be there for you. It's a promise. This day forward, put it in the front of your mind. God has promised me this thing. He's claimed to the victory of what he's promised you. In Isaiah 43, 1, it says, Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So this is another commandment from God. And, you know, if you read the Bible, the phrase do not fear is just everywhere. He gave the command to Abraham and Moses and David, and the angel came down and told Mary, do not be afraid. The enemy wants to get in 
Let me back up. The enemy's real, too. I mean, he's real as it gets. He'll get in your mind. But the fear only comes from the enemy. Jesus speaks truth. He brought truth to this world. So when you hear fear, it's only from the enemy. And you just got to figure out who you're going to trust. When you sense fear, it also means that the enemy sees that God's trying to work in your life. He's trying to get you to go down this path. So automatically, the enemy wants to come in and just put this fear so you'll stop again short of what you're called to do. He knew that I was wanting to speak. He knew that God was wanting me to speak and share my testimony. And I'll be honest with you, I'm, this right here, I hope you get something for it. But if you don't, I got, I've been set free so much through this. So Joshua 1.9, I've had several texts this week from, from friends, mentors. This one verse has came through text at least four or five times. It says, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So what I want you to do is on that piece of paper, it'll come into play here in a little bit, but on the, find a corner. I want you to write down what fear has the enemy placed in your life that's so huge you can't fathom it. What fear has caused you to shy away from dreams you want to do? What fear has, has caused you to not speak to somebody else about God? So sometime in the next five to ten minutes, I want you to be thinking about that. I want you to write that down, if you will, in a corner. And I'll tell you later, here in a little bit later. But I want you to ask you, what have you done with that fear? Have you kept it bottled up? Have you dealt with it? Are you sitting here this morning just completely crippled and paralyzed from what the enemy's done to you? Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So after reading that, I want to ask you this morning, will you start believing? Will you have faith in God? You know, faith is, you, know, you might not think about it, but you have faith. It might not be in God, but you've got faith. Something silly is this. Who inspected the chair that you're sitting in this morning before you sat down? Did anybody? You had the faith that that chair is going to hold you before you sat down. You didn't even think about it. You had faith driving here this morning that the other driver that's coming in the same direction as you was going to stay on their side of the road. You had faith of that. So I ask you to put your faith in God. So I've been dealing with fear. I want to get that out of the way. So my actual true message is going to start right here. So I was asked to speak in October by Jim. I didn't say no, I didn't say yes. I just said I'll get back to you. So looking back now, I know why I did that. 
in November, my world was completely upside down. I went through some stuff. I wanted to quit. I'll be honest with you. I wanted to quit everything. I wanted to quit church. I wanted to quit everything. It never got to the point where I wanted to like do something crazy with my life or anything, but just everything that I had worked for and strived to be had just been flipped upside down. And there again, I let fear take control of my life. But I read something that was John 16, 33, and it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble and sorrow. So he already tells you right there, if you read his word, there is going to be trouble in this world. There is going to be sorrow. Over in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says, For now we only see a reflection as in a mirror. Then we will see everything with perfect clarity, and that I know, and all that I know is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. So again, it gets to a point where if you're a believer in Jesus, you've got to learn to take your, caps, your thoughts captive. You've got to put his will before yours, his promises. You've got to actually live them out. So Billy Graham, he wrote this right here. It says, historians will probably call our era, era the age of anxiety. Anxiety is the natural resort, result when our hopes and our, are centered in anything short of God and his will for us. When I was reading that, I did some research. You may be surprised. He actually wrote that in 1965. Could you imagine if he was still here with us today what he would say? Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind across Jesus. The good thing, it don't stop there. If you go to verses 8 and 9, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellence or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. So you read all that, and it hit me like a light bulb. What you really have to do is you have to find the very real, real presence of Jesus in your life. If you don't take anything away from today's message, write that down. You must find the presence of Jesus in your life. Without the presence of Jesus, you're just Sam. You're just Derek. That's it. So if you go back to when you're reading other verses in John, it says, uh, it tells you there's going to be trial and suffering, but Pain and suffering is not good, but when you let God into it, he can make it good. You can keep it bottled up, or you can let God intervene, and I hadn't done much in a couple of six, last six months, but I'm here in front of you. If I wouldn't let God in my life, I wouldn't be here in front of you, I promise you. 
And you may be sitting there this morning thinking, even if you're a follower of Jesus, you may still be thinking, well, man, my pain's way too much. I've lost too much. I've lost my job. I've lost kids. I've lost relationships. It's just unrepairable. If you're saying that this morning, I just want you to think back on the scripture when Jesus is going up to the, the cross to be hung. You don't think that was bad? And the reason why I say that is because probably the worst event in history was turned to the best thing that could ever happen for me and you as believers. The event of Jesus actually opened up the gates of heaven for those who will believe. You know, if, if you allow him in your pain, he will work through it. He may draw you in a deeper relationship with him, which I have. He may use your pain to point somebody else to the cross. So don't doubt what God can do with your pain. There are multiple ways that he can use it. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 says, or it's talking about when Paul was asking God to, to take the thorn from him. But Jesus said this, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made in the weak, your weakness. <clears throat> you know, Jesus could have removed it. He could have done all that. But what, since he didn't remove it, here's a couple things that Paul got to do going forward. He grew a stronger character. He learned from his humility. It allowed others around him to see Jesus through him. So I want to ask you, think of a pain that you have that you haven't resolved yet. Going back to what I said, write it down. Think of something that you've done that has not been resolved yet. Somebody said it earlier, everybody's got a story. You've got something you can write down. In that pain and everything, have you, again, have you kept it bottled up? Have you turned bitter to God? Or have you taken it to God and let him do something with it? Think of somebody else that you know that's gone through something bad. Where are they now? What are they doing? What's their life look like now? Just everything. So back in 1999, my best friend, him and his brother, their neighbor came across the street running for her life from her ex-husband. He was threatening to kill her. They came to my friend and his brother's house for security. They wanted, she wanted to be safe. They hid her in a closet and barricaded the doors. The guy came in, took an AR-15, blew the front door down, took them hostage at gunpoint for two or three hours. They would never tell where the lady was, ever. That night, That night, my best friend and his brother was shot. Right before the shot went off, the older brother jumped on top of my best friend. He took the brunt force of it. He was killed instantly. My best friend lived. It took him years to get over it. 
I'm telling you all this because that's a terrible tragedy. He had every right to hate God. He had every right to give up. I'll tell you right now, he is <laughs> hes a heck of a man. He's got a wife, a boy, and a girl. He's living through this pain. And I asked him one time, I said, you know, how do you get to that point? And he said, well, it really hit me. He said, I went to a, a conference one time, and I don't know if you ever got, y'all know him, but Saran Stacy. He was a football player for Alabama back in the 70s, 80s, All-American. Well, he had, I hope I get this right, I think they had five kids and his wife. They were traveling down the road, and a drunk driver T-boned them. In that wreck, Saran and one of his daughters is the only ones that lived. He lost four kids and a wife right there. So Mike went to this conference, and Saran was speaking, and Saran was talking about the peace of God that he, he had by letting him come through his situation. And there again, he's got, you've got somebody that has every right in the world to just hate everybody. But he took that for the good. By him spreading his word, my best friend heard it. Best friend turns it around, and now he's perfect. So there again, you may have something really bad in your life. Think about who you can save by telling somebody that. So let's go back to John 16, 33, where I started this morning. Earlier I had read, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble and sorrows. But here's the best part. <laughs> but take heart, because I have overcome the world. So what this right here tells me, when I read that scripture, this is what jumps out. And you may want to write this down. I did. I told Nick this morning, when I told Nick, boy, he just got all fired up. In this verse right here, Jesus offers you the peace for the presence and the courage for the future. Your pain, your suffering, your addiction, none of that has the last word. Jesus has the last word. So, talking about all this right here, when I was going through some stuff back in November, one of my mentors, James Collins, had told me, he said, Sam, the only way you're going to win this is if you pick up every piece of God's armor. You can read about it in Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. I'll read it real quick. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and all his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, and it will, don't forget that, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything you can to stand, this is where it starts. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness, 
in place. And when your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So if you don't know that passage, I'm sure you do. But if you don't, you may ask what the belt is. So the belt's God's truth. The enemy's going to come with you with lies. You're going to flip it around and you're going to put the belt on and you're going to tell the truth back to the devil. You're going to tell the devil to sit down. Amen. The breastplate. So the enemy wants to, when he tells you these lies, the first place he's going to go to is your heart. That's where all your emotions are and everything else. So he's going to attack your heart. Put that breastplate on and just guard all that. The foot gear. This is the one that I'm scared of. Motivation to spread the good news of Jesus. Why, am I, why? why are we all scared to spread that? The shield. The devil will send insults your way, setbacks, temptations. You put the shield up and block all that. This is James' favorite one right here, the helmet. Helmet of salvation protects our minds from doubts. We all have them. The sword. I've, never, I've read this scripture many times, but this is pretty cool. The sword is the only weapon of defense out of all of this. Everything else is to protect you. This is one that you reach out. Use God's word right here to win and fight the battle. Y'all can go ahead and come up. Here's my final question. That piece of paper you got right now with I hope you've got something on the corner. What are you going to do with that? Will you let the enemy control you and paralyze you? Or will you give it to God and find some kind of comfort? kind of hit me when they were singing earlier. I, I knew I was going to do something about this, but I'm going to ask you to be bold and courageous today. I'm going to ask you to take that corner and tear it out. And when you tear it out, this is what I want you to do. This is what God wants you to do. This is not for me. This is something God told me to tell you. So if you want to do it, you can. If you don't, I want you to bring that piece of paper. I want you to lay it on these altars. Because when you come to the altar, when you leave something, it's dead. It's like a sacrifice to God. I want you to take that piece of paper, if you want to, totally up to you. I want you to lay it here. You can sit here and pray or you just go back to your seat. Or you ain't got to do nothing at all. But when this is all said and done, I'm going to get somebody to help me, Derek or somebody. I'm going to take all these pieces of paper, and we're going to go burn them. So here's your final decision. Will you live the life that Jesus Christ died for you to have? Father, I just come to you right now, and I just thank you for the word that you've given me, Lord. Father, I hope I communicated it well. 
I hope it was pleasing to you, Lord. I just want you to be lifted up in this time. Father, if there's anybody here today that's got something, then they do. Father, I just pray that you give them the strength and the courage to do something with it, Lord. Father, I just ask you to, to not let it paralyze them anymore. Father, speak words of truth into their life because I know that the enemy is speaking lies. And Father, but your word will overcome that lie. And I just pray that you speak to each and every one in here today that needs it. Father, you spoke to me and I'm so appreciative of that. Father, whatever you have for the rest of the day, I just give it to you. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this church, Lord. Father, I thank you for Jim letting me do this. And I just pray that you give him rest this week, Lord, because he just does so much for this church. And I just pray that you just ease his mind and let him relax, Lord. Father, we just bring all this to you. And this is the mighty name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen.